Welcome to Scope of Practice, a podcast that opens a window for an inside look into different practice groups and the life of attorneys in those groups here at Ropes and Gray. I'm Yoni Levy, an associate in our asset management group based in Boston. On this episode, I'm joined by Colby Rogers, an associate in our tax group also based in Boston. Hey, Colby, how are you? Hey, Yoni. Good to talk to you. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Uh, I think it's an exciting opportunity for us to really take a look at a, at a very different practice group in tax. Why don't we start with uh, a bit of background about who you are um, and sort of how you wound up in your current practice at Ropes and Gray? My name is Colby Rogers, like like Yoni said. This is a this is a second career for me. So uh, my first career, I started off as an auditor and a consultant for PricewaterhouseCoopers out of their New York office back in 2007. Um, it was right at the beginning of the financial crisis, so it was a interesting path. I I, I did that for about five years, and then I I left uh, public accounting and and went and went back to uh, law school. Got my JD MBA from Northwestern, and um, you know with the JD MBA, I knew that I wanted to do something that sort of was at the nexus of business and law. Um, so so naturally. I, my my wife is from the Boston area, and and we kind of knew we wanted to raise a family in the Boston area, um, and you know, Ropes was the was the clear choice for for me when I uh, had an opportunity to meet folks and get to know the personality of the firm and and what the practice groups were and 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 what the what the work was like. So it was an easy choice for me. I started at Ropes and Gray in 2015 in the corporate group. Um, doing a lot of financial transactions, uh, representing borrowers on large credit agreements, doing some private equity work, both buy side, sell side, um, and ultimately did some securities work, which which had me looking at uh, you know, proxy battles and then the normal sort of 34 Act work that that happens with securities law. But with my accounting background. Um, my, my background as a CPA, my background in public accounting, um, it always kind of nagged on me a bit that I wanted to try tax out. And, you know, back in 2018, I, I went and spoke with the, the head of my practice group at the time and, and Elaine Murphy, who's the head of the, the tax group, and um, wondered if the firm would be open to me um, trying to transition into the tax group. And it, it was great. It was successful. And, and I must say the the last three years have been fantastic, and I'm really enjoying the tax group and uh, the ways in which it's different and the ways that the, the practice works. Thanks. Interesting. Yeah, it's a very different uh, background from uh, either of the previous guests that we've had on. I'm sure in the tax work, you know, there is probably a little more overlap with the corporate work, just given that, you know, I'm on the corporate side and I work with tax folks like you all the time, right? So was there a lot of overlap between the type of tax work that you're doing now and what you did on the corporate side, or you're working on completely different tax work now? The great part about the answer to that question is, is that it's both. And, and I think that I'll, I'll start with how it overlaps. So certainly when you're working in contracts and you're understanding how a deal flow works and what it's like working on a large team, you understand that there's an area that you own and there's an area that you can assist others with. But one thing that's unique to tax is you find that it actually becomes the glue that binds a couple of different groups for together. Let me give you an example. 
say we're representing a private equity fund that is that is buying a company. Um, a lot of times that private equity firm is going to um, borrow money. It's going to, and then it's going to separately negotiate um, that that credit agreement with uh, with a lender. And at the same time, there there's going to be negotiations around purchasing a company. And sort of a lot of times we talk we talk about rolling over members of management. So so what's great about the tax group is it's we're really the only ones that are that are working in all three of those buckets at the same time. So we can actually help facilitate and make the the deal move much faster. I, I think the other thing that's interesting about taxes is that it's more than just a private equity deal. Um, take today for example. Um, today, I have worked on um, real estate transactions. I've represented exempt organizations, including an endowment and a private foundation. I've been able to represent a public company, um, a fund that's raising capital um, to, to make your real estate investments. And so what you find is in tax, you absolutely don't pigeonhole yourself you find yourself touching probably more more of a broad scope of groups within the organization, Ropes and Gray, than you do in any other group. So, so what's great is one, I get to know a lot of people like you, Yoni. Um, I get to I get to to work with different partners and see different things and and get into different sort of fact patterns. So it's certainly not the case that I'm ever bored. Um, anything beyond that. And, and you said something interesting too. You said you had a colleague who had transferred from a funds group to the litigation group. Well, we have a, an excellent and thriving tax controversy practice that allows me not only to work on transactions and, and uh, work with exempt organizations, but I, I can also represent clients in litigation related to tax controversy. So when I, when I say that you can quite literally do anything in the tax group, it's true. We can do you can do pretty much anything that the the firm does, and I find that it it keeps me interested and at the edge of my seat. <laughs> yeah, fascinating. Is there a sense of a subspecialty within tax? I think you described a variety of work that it sounds like people can do within the tax group, um, and then it sounded almost like you work in a really wide range of things. Is there any sense of sort of subspecializing within the tax group in say? tax controversy or funds work or deal work or the like? I think what's great about it is, is I think that you, you don't have to pick any one. You can certainly pick a couple. And, and, and something that I've enjoyed is being able to help a fund raise a fund um, and then work for that fund as they go and, and buy a company or, or do an M&A transaction because you understand the structure and you understand what came before with the fundraising, you understand this fund structure and the fund terms. So what you'll find is ultimately by the time somebody is becoming much more senior, there will be one to two areas that, that they spend a lot of definitely the majority of their time doing, but, but you'll find that there, there's often that, that one piece, that one thing that you did as a second year associate that you became a little bit of an expert in and folks come back to you and ask you questions about it. And, and, and it's nice to kind of have that little area of expertise. Um, certainly with all the changes that we've had in tax law, especially since 2017, I've found that there are associates, including myself sometimes, who have read 
read certain areas more than, than anyone else because they've had to deal with problems or had to come up with solutions for clients in that area. So you, you might get a call from a partner that you don't work with too much and they want to pick your brain on something. It's certainly humbling that, that they're coming to you and asking you these questions um, and you sort of say, who am I to know these things? But, but it's really nice too to, to have that sort of relationship and trust within, within the firm and within the group. Yeah, that was a theme that, that came up on prior interviews that it's really not a rigid hierarchy where, you know, because someone's more senior to you, they don't value your opinion or they don't turn to you for your uh, advice or input. Um, and, you know, y you, for example, probably remember quite strongly on, you know, the recent transaction that we worked on together <laughs> um, with, with, with Larry, who's, you know, a corner office partner who's, you know, only a few years away from retirement that he all the time would turn to us and say, what do you think? You know, what's your take? Either just because there's a diversity of opinion and let's get another person's opinion, or frankly, he would recognize, you know, you're closer to the document than I am. You know, you've been drafting it day by day and I'm sort of advising from, you know, a higher level. So what's the view of the people sort of who are more in, in the ground on the, uh, on the project? And I think that that ends up producing a better work environment for you, right? You feel better, you feel more valued and also a better work product for the client, right? Because it's not like seniority is the only thing that trumps the day. You really work together. Whoever has the best idea, sort of that's the idea that moves forward, um, which I think is, is, is really helpful. Um, Absolutely. And, and something that you see happen quite often is, um, you'll work with a group of, of folks, you know, uh, who worked on a deal with you and something will come up in another deal and, and they'll send you, they'll send you a note or give you a call and say, Hey, you know, I'm looking at something and I'm not quite sure if, if tax is implicated here. Could, could we just have a discussion or could you take a quick look and, and, and we, we can see if, if this is something we need you guys to dig in on. And that's certainly something that, 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 tax associates along with tax partners will come together and, and they'll look at those documents and look at those issues. And quite often, you know, it's nice to have our corporate colleagues have those feelers out. And, and that just shows that, that, that there is, it's a very collaborative environment and making sure that we're getting the best, the best solution and the best product. And it's nice to work in a place where we trust each other and we're, we're looking to each other to just make our product better. That That's definitely true. Yeah. I, I like to joke that um that I, I promote myself basically a half a year as a tax associate for every year that I'm here. So I, I like to say that I'm like a fourth year tax associate at this point, just given how much uh, my work overlaps with tax work. So when you talk about the tax work, I, I, you know, I think you talked about the subspecialties and the sort of at a high level what the types of work are. When you tell people that you do tax work, um, I've certainly seen this happen. I don't know if it's ever happened to you. People seem to think that you're some sort of tax preparer um, or that what you do is, is similar to what a CPA does. Um, and, you know, I'm curious, particularly from you as someone who has a CPA background um, and sort of seeing what tax lawyers do on the tax side, it seems quite different from a CPA. So maybe you could talk about a little bit of a flavor of what the substance of the kind of work that you do is and how, you know, like what are you doing with the tax code and what are you not doing? That, that's a that's a great question, and it, you're you're right. That's not something that a lot of people appreciate the nuance there. I think one thing that's that's really interesting is we we get started, especially on on deals and fundraises, from a very early on point, trying to come up with an efficient tax structure that that not only maximizes return for our clients, but also maximizes the after tax return 
for their customers as well. Um, and, and what's great is, is that that role um, is hand in hand with the people who prepare the taxes for, for the company. So ultimately, there's going to be an accounting firm that, that prepares the taxes and has to sign the return. And, and sort of what we're doing is, is, is we're coming up with sort of the best way to structure something to make it best for everyone, but to do it in a way that, that we agree with uh, the tax preparer is, is a way that's going to work and ultimately going to be something that, uh, while not audit proof, um, gives, gives our client the, the, the best case that, that, it, that it, would, it would avoid um, an audit. Typically, when you're, when you're looking at structure, you'll have a sense of, you know, what, what type of investors are investing here and, and what are the type of returns? And so we take a lot of that information and, and we think about what are the potential issues that, that could arise for these investors. And, and, and certainly it, it involves some research sometimes. It, it certainly involves, um, particularly with tax, understanding what the most recent guidance is. I think one interesting thing that, that, that I do as a part of my practice that I didn't do when I was in corporate um, is I spend, I spend a good amount of time every day just, just watching the news um, and making sure that there's not a, a development that's going to affect my practice. So it's not only taking in the data points from the structure and from the deal, it's also thinking about what's currently in the code and the guidance that's out there and how that's going to affect the structure we come up with. It's also about what's changing right now and today in, in tax law. Um, sometimes that's even across borders. Um, what you'll find is, especially during COVID, um, as, as the CARES Act and other acts came out, um, we, were, we were constantly having to think about how do we think about PPP loans in the context of, of this deal? How do we think about the fact that that there's that they're allowing um, NOL um, carrybacks, and so you find yourself um, <laughs> again on the edge of your seat because it's always changing and it's constantly something that you have to be on top of. Um, so, so that's sort of in the context of a of a deal, what it's like. Um, it's also the case sometimes that the initial the initial uh, structuring will come from an accounting firm. Uh, and what we do there is, is sometimes we'll, we'll have the, a dialogue with them and, and pressure test some of the assumptions, uh, again, doing some research and taking what we've learned from other clients. So it, it's, it, it's a symbiotic relationship. And, and I find myself spending a lot of time talking not only to the tax preparers at my, at my client, uh, but also the tax preparers on the other side to get an understanding of, of what they're thinking and, and pressure testing their assumptions as well. I think that was all really interesting, especially about the quickly evolving nature of, of the tax climate. Wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how your practice compares to others. You know, I, I think you explained a bit about how sort of it runs the gambit of types of uh, work, but maybe you could talk a little bit about timelines, client relationships, and maybe the types of tasks that you're doing as compared to some of your corporate colleagues and sort of your interactions with clients and, and how those are the same or different from some of your corporate colleagues. Sure. And, and I, I think that taking from my prior life in corporate, I'll, I'll, I'll say that I find that I'm on many more matters, uh, client matters and tax than I am on the corporate side. And, and, and that's, and that's for, you know, really two reasons. One, 
um, corporate, you're kind of the quarterback for a lot of different groups and a lot of different work streams. Um, while tax does touch a, a bunch of a number of work streams within a deal, um, it's certainly not as not as broad uh, on a given deal as as our corporate colleagues. Um, so you'll you'll find that you have a narrower slice. And, and, and with, with more matters um, comes, you know, a lot more organization, and, and we'll find that we spend a lot more time on, on calls than we do just providing um, written advice because it's just easier to have a, a dialogue. So I find that I'm on the phone quite a bit during the day. Um, talking through issues with with our with our corporate team, um, problem solving with um, with with partners and and my colleagues internally in the tax group, um, and then and then blocking off that hour or two to to sit down and do some research. Uh, I I find that as far as its drafting is concerned, um, there's so much that leads up to the drafting. By the time you you get to the wordsmithing. Um, it's funny anyway because you you already know exactly what what you're going to say. So in, in that way, it's a lot like um, Yoni, you taking a, a term sheet and turning it into an agreement. A lot of times, I've done the research or I or I understand the issue and and I know what I'm going to say. Um, as far as timelines are concerned, it's 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 interesting because tax can sometimes be the very beginning of the process. We can come in and not know about the process until the middle or the very end. So, so one thing that you find with, with the organization piece is kind of understanding where each of your matters are in the process um, and sort of what the, what the lead time is. And, and what you find is, is, a, is a great corporate associate is good at, is good at communicating those timelines and, and a great tax associate is, is great at communicating what's on their plate that day and, and, and that week. And, and I find that because Ropes and Gray, we work together so well and we collaborate so well, um, we, we are able to um, pull things together in, in, a, in a manner that's efficient. Yeah, as tax folks get more senior um, and into partnership, it becomes even harder and harder to, to uh, find the time for them because of the uh, number of matters they're on. And, you know, a good team works together and communicates well throughout, uh, and a good tax associate or a tax partner, as Colby said, will say, I can get to this, but not until tomorrow. I can get this next week or whatever, right? Just give, give a sense back so we can make sure that clients have the right sense of what the timeline is. Um, and then, you know, I think to the point he raised, you know, we all have lots of other projects going on. And one of the things you have to learn sort of early on as uh, a new associate is recognizing that the slice that something is on your plate will be different for each person, right? And the more junior you are, and especially on the corporate side, the larger of of piece of your day, of your trend, of your you know week that that project is going to be. And so when you're asking a partner, you know, for their attention on something or sending them something to review, you know, it's going to be one of many more things that's on their plate to look at, right? And so they don't have to do the primary drafting, but they need time to get to it. And so we, for example, on the corporate side, have to also always keep in mind that, you know, while we're on this fundraise and it's taking up, you know, a primary part of our of our week, let's say, you know, the tax associate is on a ton of projects, all of which are saying this needs to happen today, this needs to close today or tomorrow or whatever, right? So, 
you know, at, making sure that our timelines match up correctly is an important part of of interaction between the groups. And you know, I think the groups in general do a good job of doing that at Ropes and Gray. Um, in particular, my group had the benefit of sitting uh, with the tax group in the Boston office um, for most of my career, which was really helpful because you could just walk down to someone's door and sort of knock and chat with them. Yoni, that's a great point on culture, and everything you're talking about is is one of is one of the main reasons why I chose Ropes and Gray. Uh, I, I think that when I when I spoke with associates at each firm. Um, the word that kept coming up at Ropes and Gray is collegial, and it's definitely the case. Being on the same floor as you or Justin, who's now a partner, when when I had a question about what was going on in a document or why um, why your team was thinking about something a certain way, um, I could pop over and look through your glass and see if you were on the phone or not. And and I think one thing that's nice has been even during during the pandemic. I've I've found that that's continued. I, I get I get calls all the time. I I, I have Zooms and we'll, we'll 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 say hey let me open up my line real quick and just talk through something if you have a moment. We all know that we're trying to get to the the, the best solution. So um, why not be efficient? So I it's it's probably my favorite part about working at Ropes and Gray. Um, another point too, Yoni, um, something that we've we've kind of we've kind of hinted around and. And you know, you talk about having lots of balls in the air. One difference for me from from the typical 25 year old first year associate is that I had a child my my first year uh, at Ropes and Gray. Um, Olivia at the time was three years old, and now I've been in the firm for a few years, and now I have three kids. And one thing that I've found working with you know colleagues in the funds group, colleagues in in transactional groups. We all have a tremendous respect for the time that we have with our kids. And if you need 30 minutes, 45 minutes, if you want to go watch the dance recital, you want to go to the track meet, people, people give you the space and they trust that you'll, you'll be gone for 45 minutes to an hour. But you know what? If you, if you need to do that hour a little bit later in the evening, no problem. People have that trust and people have that accountability and, and, and people are, are understand how important times like that with your family are, and and you're given the space to do that, and and that's one thing that's kept me here honestly, is that um, if if I were expected to just have my head down working all the time and I couldn't see my family, you know, I I don't know that I don't know that I would have stayed very long, and it's it seems I don't know if you agree I think it's a pretty key point with our culture for sure. Yeah, I, I have to say, people are not going to believe that you have not listened to the prior episodes uh, when recording this, because um, this is exactly the conversation we had in, in the first two uh, episodes as well. And I think it's because it's true, right? It's not like there's yeah. some sort of, you know, brainwashing campaign to tell us all to say this. Um, and I think it all fits into the same overall culture, which is that we're all focused on doing the best job we can for the client in the most efficient way possible in the way that's the least painful for everyone involved, client, associate, partner, et cetera, right? We all have lives. We're all trying to live our lives and we're all trying to do a good job at the same time. And, you know, that respect that people show to you just ends up perpetuating because as soon as people show it to you, you want to show it to others. Right. Absolutely. And then, Absolutely. and then you just feel like when someone is on vacation or parental leave or something, you just feel this intense 
sense of I really, 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 really don't want to bother this person while they are out. I am going to do everything in my power to just handle this because when I was out, no one bothered me at all, right? And that same sort of collegial culture feeds into what you were saying about sort of not being embarrassed and just knocking on someone's door when you want to someone to explain something to you or the like, you know, there's really just a sense of, look, we're all people. We all came into this with different experiences. And along the way, we've all acquired different experience, right? And, you know, you might be the best tax lawyer imaginable on this particular type of deal. But when this other type of deal comes up, you just haven't done it yet, right? So there's no need to even be embarrassed because we all know that our colleagues are intelligent and capable. It's just an experience thing, right? And so we all want to help each other and just sort of get to the right place together. I think two points from that. One, especially on the vacation, you talk to associates who have lateraled from other firms and they will tell you, I can't believe how much people have your back during vacation here. It blows my mind. The other, the other point there not only across groups, but within your own group. I, I have a I have a little bit of a, a deal with three other associates in my group, and and we'll have a uh, a quote unquote no dumb questions <laughs> trust trust relationship where even if it's something you feel like you should know walking in the door here, you raise your hand and you ask the question, and people say, oh no, that actually that actually is a good question. And so, and so you find that a lot of times questions you have are questions other people have. And, and again, it goes back to the trust and, and, the, and the collegiality. So just wanted to yeah. highlight those two points. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. And maybe to counter the point that you said about um, walking down to people's offices, how do you find working across offices? Do you find that most of your work is with the Boston office or you work across offices? And, and what's that experience like? I quite often find myself working with associates in New York, Chicago, West Coast, Asia, and London, sometimes on the same deal. And, and, it, and it never ceases to amaze me how seamless it all works together. I think necessarily in the tax world, if you're looking at, for example, a fund, and that fund has investors in Europe, that fund has investors from Asia, you find yourself hopping on the phone with lawyers over in those offices and talking through issues. And, it, and it's, it's great. It's great to have that resource. Uh, I mean, especially in London, I, I raised a fund where I had only limited partners coming in from Europe. And, you know, my colleagues over there could help translate things. I, I didn't understand questions people had. And they said, oh, well, over here, we call this that and that's this. And I mean, just little things like that make all the difference in the world. So one, one, one point on working across offices, when I was pretty early on in, in, in my career, I actually spent three weeks out of the uh, San Francisco office doing a live negotiation with, with lawyers from, from, from Asia, from New York, from Chicago, from Boston. We all went out to our San Francisco office, and our, our San Francisco office essentially became um, a, a negotiating headquarter between uh, our law firm, two other law firms, and a few other um, parties to an agreement. So I've actually had the opportunity to go work in another office for a few weeks. Um, it's the only time I've done it, but it, it was a great, it was an incredible, um, incredible treat. Uh, but but you, you're you're absolutely right. I I would say that I work just as often with people in New York, California, and Chicago as I do in Boston. 
So it's nice to have the different office, the different perspective, and 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 get to learn all the little nuances of each in, uh, office culture. Um, for example, our 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 San Francisco office has uh, is has a very strong meme game, and so uh, it's fun getting to uh, enjoy that with them as well. Yeah, I'm working as hard as I can to bring up the meme game in in Boston, but um, <laughs> you, you know, certainly are. it's yeah. sometimes a one man struggle. I think an important part to highlight without, you know, veering too far into, you know, uh, a a sales pitch here, but right. I think there's a big difference in culture about people using their vacation and policy of vacation. And the same thing with, you know, I've heard of with parental leave. I would say at Ropes, I was always encouraged to take my full parental leave. I took, at the time it was two months when my first son was born and three months when my second son was born. Um, and you know, vacation, you're strongly encouraged to use your vacation time and vacation, as we've been saying, is pretty heavily, uh, guarded in terms of not bothering you while you're on vacation. And I've heard from folks who've transferred from other firms that that's not the case, you know, that there are lots of places where the policy is four weeks, but you're really not expected to use it. Or, you know, the policy is two months paternity leave or X months maternity leave, but you're expected to use less than that. Um, and that's really not the point here. Uh, at least, you know, part of the same culture of just collegiality and we all have the same vacation package and we all use the same vacation package. I, I think especially on leave, you bring up a great point. I've had two uh, parental leaves now and, and, and I got to tell you both instances, you weren't really sure when it was going to begin, right? So <laughs> what you wind up finding yourself doing is 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 getting the coverage a little bit in advance, and then sort of sometimes out on the blue, oh, we're going to the hospital, and so you send around your your notes, and then your your leave memo goes out, and 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 that's it, and people just take over for you. Yeah, one of the things I never thought about until I got a bit more senior and started talking to some of the partners about it is that how how top down that culture is. And and how it stems from, you know, the firm not being sort of an eat what you kill model where they, you know, tightly track the points that you get per client and you have to give people points to get them to work on your matter or whatever. It's really like clients of the firm are clients of the firm. And of course, they're going to have primary contact points, right? But the firm is there to serve them as a whole. And that culture of just like we, we're all working together towards something really allows for vacations like you're saying, where you know the partners cover for each other because they don't view it as sort of like, I have to jealously guard this or it's not my responsibility. You deal with it. That type of culture is just not, you know, doesn't resonate with who people are at Ropes, which, I, which I've always found I like a lot. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about the roles of associates uh, at different seniority levels and, and, you know, how that compares to maybe partners in the group, um, maybe what junior associate life is like, what midland senior associate life is like, and then, you know, maybe from your time in the corporate group, you can compare and contrast that a little bit to what you think those levels are like in the corporate group as well. Absolutely. I, I think I think one one example that, that sort of is the same across is that you'll find there are some larger teams that have a partner, a senior associate, a mid-level, and then and then a junior, and and what's and what's nice about it is whenever you have that scenario, you know you can you have someone that's nearer to you in seniority, and you can have that dialogue with them, so you can really understand that they're not that far off. You're going to be there very soon. This is a deal that will get you the knowledge to get to that next spot. 
the, the other piece that I like about taxes, even if you're not on a larger deal, you'll find that you quite often, it's just you and a partner. And so you've got the one-on-one -on -one time with somebody who quite, quite honestly, uh, if they were teaching a, a class as a professor, or if they were teaching a, a CLE course, it would, it would probably cost quite a bit of money. And here they're a captive audience and you get to ask them questions and talk to them, talk with them and talk them through things. So it, it, it's, it's nice. It, the role, the role early on in tax is really about learning. It's about understanding what the problem is, understanding how to research and understanding how to, how to find a solution um, that, that's easy to convey to a client, right? And, and you noted this earlier that sometimes you need the corporate team to, to translate. What, what we're trying to do from an early, early stage is getting folks uh, at the junior level to understand the economics and how tax impacts quite a bit. At the mid-level, what you find yourself doing is sort of getting into some really substantive work. And I, and I say mid-level, but this really can start in year two, um, where, where you're going to be the one primarily doing the first draft of something. You're going to be the one who's, in some instances, getting on the phone and, and getting some information from the other side and having a dialogue. Certainly, there's going to be a more senior associate partner on um, guiding the conversation a little bit with you, um, but, but you find yourself getting into some more substance. Um, as you grow a little bit more senior, um, you, you get a little bit more of a leash, and, and you're able to do some negotiating on your own and checking in with, with partners and sort of trying transitioning into that role. Uh, I think what's, what's nice about the tax group is um, be, because the, the breadth of the code and because of the complexity and the experience required, um, you're necessarily going to have people checking your work. Um, and so you find yourself failing boldly <laughs> in your drafting and your research, and someone will help you see the bigger picture. And, and it's through that sort of, uh, you know, back and forth, that dialogue through the drafts that that you can develop and, and turn into to turn into the, the senior associate that everyone looks up to. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about the culture of the tax group, you know, how you feel the tax group sort of fits in culturally to the rest of the firm and maybe how it's different in some ways from the rest of the firm and, and the relationships between the various members of the tax group. Right. It's a, it's a great question. And I think one thing about the, the tax group is, um, and this is true, obviously, of a, of a lot of uh, lawyers, but I feel like we'll, we're all very curious people. And I think what's really fun about being around a lot of curious people is that is that you know everyone has very unique hobbies, and and what they do outside of work is is unique and fun, and 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 you know they'll they'll get to, for lack of a better term, they'll get very excited about the things that they're curious about. And so when you have a lot of curious people. Um, you find that, we, like I mentioned earlier, we have these um, meetings every few weeks where we talk about the, the, the current topics. We call it the current development lunch. One of the aspects of the current development lunch are people bringing unique problems that they're seeing in their practice. And, and getting a, a room of people together in an office and then across offices over video, um, and now in the pandemic over Zoom, um, is you get a lot of really curious people, um, you know, digging into the question a little bit more, and and you find that, um, you know, did you ask this, and and then did you think about this, and and what about this approach? You know, I I remember 
there's something about this that I read a long time ago. Let me try to dig that up. So, so what's, what's great about the culture of my practice group is it's not your, it's not your problem. It's, it's not your puzzle. It's everyone's puzzle. There, there's a there's a lot of different ways to solve the issue and and we're we're constantly refining it and finding the the way that the way that works commercially the way that it, the way that it should go and how how people really think about this and and you know what does that law firm or what does that law firm think about it and what does what does that accounting firm think about it so it's it's really just these different approaches you find make this great mosaic of of different different ways to think about things. Um, and so be, because you have that curiosity, you'll run into someone in the group where, all right, I've, I've, I've got my deal. I've got to get my deal done. And, you know, there's, you know, here's my question. And the answer to my question should be yes or no, or 15 or 22. Right. And, and you find that you find that the folks in the tax group will say, you know, wait a minute. No, like, what, what about this? And did you think about this? And did you, did, you know, what about, what about doing it this way? And, you know, I can't do it that way. I've already, I've already got the, the deal's already almost done and we've already done it this way, you know, but well, that way might be a little bit better. And so maybe we want to talk to our client about that. And sometimes you'll hop on the phone and say, Hey, you know, did you think about changing this one little piece? And, and, you know, you, you'll walk away with, with a better outcome for everyone. So it's, it's it's just it's it's fun to it's fun to kind of interact with the with the with the curious group with with other folks. So I think that answered your question. <laughs> you did you did, and in a way that I actually had not particularly managed to put my finger on myself. But it, I think it actually, in my experience, matches the tax group quite well. I think intellectual curiosity is a really really strong element, right? I think. People join the tax group because they like that puzzle piece, right? They like sort of thinking out the structure and doing this raises that issue and doing that raises this issue and sort of piecing that all together. And I think, you know, for example, um, Brett Robbins, one of the partners in our in the tax group who does a lot of funds work, has, you know, a weekly funds uh, meeting where, you know, they talk about sort of basically the intellectual aspects of fundraising. And so there's lots of current developments pieces to it too. But I think that when I joined that meeting, like that's where we end up discussing like the theory of why you pay a preferred return. I think it came up because we were trying to understand if you deem a distribution as made, should the press keep ticking or should it not? Or like, hey, why did we do it this way and not that way? I think that was a very apt description of the group. I think you, you set yourself up a little difficultly for the, the next question because you said your group is so intellectually curious or so curious that you all have really fascinating things that you do in your spare time. So um, we expect this, this answer to really wow us, Colby, but what is, it, what is it that you do in your spare time? Well, uh, I, think, I think recently it, it's become camping. My, my family and I like to uh, get out a little bit and we like to go camping. We, uh, we bought a pop-up camper and so – we find ourselves going to all all manner of places and, and getting out there and doing some camping and it's it's fun to be able to work at a in a flexible firm where you you might be able to leave at 3 p.m. on a on a Friday and and work from the road for a little bit and answer a few you know phone calls on the road but um, get to a spot where you and your family can get out there in the wilderness a little bit and so um, my uh, <laughs> my thought space has recently been on. Um, what are what are the different camping things I need and what can I do and and sort of how far can we go away from a campsite and still be okay with a with a uh, seven year old a five year old and a an eleven month old so 
Oh wow, you're bringing the 11 month old uh, camping with you. That's uh, you love that's bold. Love that's bold. That's bold of you. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I just not sure. I would. I would love the whole sleeping part of that. What's uh, what, what's your coolest uh, camping equipment? Like, what's your coolest gadget? My my favorite thing right now, uh, actually, um, we've 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 been teaching the girls how to how to start fishing. Um, they they haven't quite figured out that not every um, every everywhere there's water there's um, there's fish, but <laughs> we've certainly gone fishing in some interesting spots and and we've been enjoying that as of late. So. Yeah, sometimes that's better though. My my now five year old, when he was four, and I used to walk around, uh, and when there were puddles in the uh, in the street, he would just pick up a stick and act like he was fishing in the puddle. And of course, it's the middle of the street, so there's we've not going to be any fish. We've had but... some similar we've had some similar experiences. That's exactly what I missed. So. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, I, I, I hope you get to enjoy many uh, camping outings, especially uh, later this week. So, are you yeah, going anywhere please. fun? Um. Uh, Actually, um, yes, I, I'm, I'm going. I'm not going camping, but we're going to Chicago. We we uh, we're looking forward. We're going camping next to some cranberry bogs in the fall during the cranberry harvest. So we're going to be able to to camp and and watch them flood the bogs and and do all the harvesting. So we're looking forward to that one. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I I live in in not far from the um, cranberry bogs in Foxborough. And I've hiked them before, but I've never been there for the cranberry harvest. So that sounds pretty cool. Colby, thank you so much for joining me and sharing your insights. And thank you to our listeners. We hope you found this episode to be helpful. If there's a specific practice group or area you'd like us to cover on a future episode, please reach out to me directly. I'd love to hear from you. If you're a law student or recent graduate and would like to learn more, please visit our website at ropesgrayrecruiting.com or check us out on Instagram at ropesgray. You can also subscribe to the series wherever you typically listen to podcasts, including on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Thanks again for listening and see you on the next episode.